You're listening to the Second Corinthians Weakness and Strength Sermon Series, preached by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Take your Bible this evening, if you would, and turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 11. This is a little unusual for me to be preaching on Sunday night. Um, But my plan is, before I leave in May, to finish up the book of Corinthians. Uh, After I come back, we'll be in 1 Kings, is where we'll be. Um, And then this gives me a chance to finish the book and give Pastor Dan time to get ready to have the month of May um, to just go crazy here. Okay, so it'll be a good time. Uh, If you notice, I was smiling while we were singing um, the song Revive Us Again. It's an old joke in our church because we praise the old God and it says, um, hallelujah, thine the glory, hallelujah, amen, right? And so I just always think amen sounds like a Presbyterian, and I think amen is the Baptist response. And so this has been an ongoing battle between, I think, Travis and I, and he will not change, uh, nor will I. And so, um, but I do believe amen is the proper way to say it. I think in Hebrew it sounds like amen, um, but... I say amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 this evening, and just a quick review before we get into where we're at tonight. We, we talked this morning about the Apostle Paul answering these accusations against him. Um, they accused Paul of uh, not being a great communicator, not being a chief apostle, um, being a commoner, so to speak and not collecting finances. And this was all an effort to sort of make Paul look bad. They were embarrassed by Paul, this group of of, um, opponents in the church. A small group, but a a vociferous group. And so Paul begins to answer that group by saying, listen, I might be rude or unskilled in my speech, but I'm not rude in knowledge. I know what I know. I know the gospel. I know it personally. I know it publicly. Um, and I know it's proclamation. So we talked about that this morning, about knowing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, living the gospel. And then he went on to answer the question of, of them being like him. And he wanted the church to know that the, the false teachers were nothing like the apostle Paul. Nothing at all. Uh, they were false teachers. Um, and the bottom line is they were in it for themselves. It was about them, their ministry, their following, and what they could get out of people. And that's the case with all false teachers and false ministries. And so Paul is continuing on this line now, and we get now to verse number 21. Now let's go back to verse 20. If you have 20 day fine, if not, don't worry, I'll just read it. Don't worry about it. But he's talking again about these uh, false teachers. He says, For you suffer or you allow a man to bring you into bondage, uh, to devour you, right, to take your resources. If a man take of you, brings you captive. If a man exalt himself, if a man smite you in the, face, in the face. And what he's saying there again is this. These false teachers, they come in, they're arrogant, and they're abusing the flock. It's not about the flock, it's not about giving themselves. It's about them getting something from the church. And, and Paul wants to make it very clear, this is not Christianity. This is not true Christianity. This is not true ministry. And so here's what he says now in verse number 21. And I want you to know something. This is Paul, again, being sarcastic. Listen to what he says. He says in verse 21, I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak, howbeit, wherein soever any is bold, I speak foolishly, 
I am bold also. And here's what he says. He says in verse 21, um, to my shame, I'm sorry, he apologized to the church, I didn't abuse you like the false teachers abused you. And that's my fault. He's being very sarcastic. He wasn't that bold to abuse the church like the church had allowed themselves to be abused. And Paul says, forgive me of this. Forgive me for not abusing you. Right? And it's a joke. He's making this to make a point. And what he's saying again is, my ministry, my manner of life is nothing like theirs. They're using the church. They're, they're fleecing the church. It's all about them. And Paul says, that's not me. Sorry for not abusing you, but that's not how I do things. He says at the end of the verse, but if any's bold, uh, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. And now Paul is going to tackle these false teachers. And, and he says, they've been bragging, they've been talking about themselves. Now I'm going to take a minute and I'm going to be bold. I'm going to boast. I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. And so he begins. Look at verse number 22. If others can boast, so can I. Verse number 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. And, and of course, this is an ethnic you know, qualification. He is a Jew. He's a good Jew. But it's also a religious idea. That he says, look at Abraham, the Hebrew, Israelite. I am a devout Jew. I am doing it right. I am one of uh, you know, a Messianic Jew. I see the Savior. I've got it down. I am these things. If they are, so am I. Now, verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? He says, I speak as a fool. He says, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Are they ministers of Christ? Then he says this. I am more. And this is way out of Paul's comfort range, right? He's like, I can't believe I'm saying this. Are these guys... Hebrews, so am I. Are they ministers of Christ? That's fine if they think that. But I want you to know something. I am more a minister of Christ. This is a bold statement. So let me ask you a question. If you're in a debate and you're in an argument and you're talking about someone and say, you think you're this and I'm this. Well, let me tell you. Here's what I am. I am a minister of Christ more than all of you. What would you expect to follow? If we were talking, a guy says this statement. You think you're a minister of Christ. What about me? Absolutely. You're ready now for Paul to unload about how he's a great minister of Christ. And we can talk about a lot of things. And Paul can mention a lot of things. Maybe like Peter saying, listen, I was on the Mount of Transfiguration. I heard the voice. I was one of the only few that was with Christ. That's what we would expect to hear. And Paul does not do it. He he, he turns the whole thing around now with his boast. He's a minister of Christ. I'm out of my mind, but I'm more. And now what he does is, um, for effect, he turns the, the foundation not on his amazing accomplishments, but now he takes an unexpected turn towards his weakness. Now watch what he says. Here's how I am more of a minister of Christ than the rest of these guys. Verse 24. I'm sorry, let's jump down. Uh, where am I at? Verse 23. I more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. 
Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Right, that's a Jewish punishment. Thirty-nine stripes on the back, you get a whip. Thrice was I beaten with rods. That's Roman, right? Beaten with rods on his back. I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings off, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils of the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among uh, false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and in thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, and this is a huge list of those things that are without. He says, beside these things, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. And I won't spend a lot of time here, I'm going to talk about it next week. But it's almost as if all these other things pale in comparison with what Paul struggles with, with the weight of caring for God's churches. And then he goes on. He says, who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. And Paul then boasts of his suffering and weakness in ministry, telling us that the badge of authentic ministry in Christian life is weakness. It's weakness. And that's not what the false teachers were ministering like. Not at all. But that's the real world. And the rest of chapter 11 and 12, Paul will now deal with this idea of, of my, my weakness being made strong through Christ. It's a great truth. The fact is it's a truth that will blow our minds. But I'm not going to spend the rest of our time there this evening because for the next chapters, Paul's going to specifically talk about that. We'll talk about next week. That Paul says, I'm going to glory in my weakness. He's going to give us the reason for that. You'll find in chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. But what I'd like to do tonight is I'd like to look at this list that Paul just mentioned for us. And I think if we're honest this evening, as we look at that list, it's a huge list, and I don't think there's a person here who'd want to trade their life for that list. Right? And this is Paul's life. He just runs down the list here. This is it. And what I find fascinating about Paul's listing here of what really happened in his life is there's no hint in Paul He doesn't insinuate that this is really bad and I'm done. I'm checking out now. These are his trials, his trouble, his weakness. The list is long. And Paul's okay with that. He's okay with that. Listen, this evening, we all have trials. We all have trouble, right? Um, And and my my goal tonight is not to minimize someone else's trouble. You, You know, we live in a world where people compete with one another, right? So if someone has a problem, they tell you their problem. Someone will say, well, you think that's bad. Let me tell you about my problems. There's a funny skit that Brian Regan does about um, a guy who's talking about losing his teeth, his, his wisdom teeth. They're pulled out. They're impacted. And that guy says, you think that's bad. Mine were growing through my, like a tusk, growing through my lips. And the next day I was eating corn on the cob. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And I'm not looking to compare horror stories here. But just realize, we all have trouble. We all have struggles. We all have weaknesses. And, and there are some weaknesses that may seem insignificant to some folks. You see someone struggling, you think, ah, it's not a big deal. But it is a big deal to them. It's their burden. It's their grief. And they have to bear it. 
And there are other folks who have great difficulties. And we see it, and we're amazed that through this difficulty, they deal with it. They deal with it in an amazing manner. It, it's almost it's miraculous to see them handle that grief. And so, I'm not talking tonight about comparing. We all have struggles. We all have trouble. But I know this. None of us this evening would trade our list for Paul's. Right? I mean, unless you got something like a death wish or a martyr syndrome thing going on. We like all think that I die for Christ. We don't even live for Him. But the truth is, none of us would exchange that list. And yet, Paul has no clue or indication here that this is a problem for him. He's not thrown in the towel. Now, certainly he's been discouraged. We've seen this in the past, but he's not quitting. And I just find it amazing in our lives as believers that we go to Paul's life and be amazed by what we see and what it takes in our own lives for us to quit. Just to quit. We quit our Bible reading. We had a great plan on January 1st, didn't we? We're gonna, this is the year. Now we're in March, and we don't remember the last time we read. We quit in our prayer time. We quit in our attendance. Christians are quitting on their marriages, on their kids, on their families, on their churches. They're just stepping away from those things. And it seems we live in a world today for believers that we look at Paul's life, and the truth is, we, we can't even fathom Paul going through these things because it takes a very most minute thing to cause us just to stop and to quit. And Paul would have none of it. None of it. Um, I'm, a, I'm a former army guy. You know that? That's a military thing. I'm going to tell you a secret tonight that I've never told anyone before. Here it comes. I always wanted to join the Marines. Right? I, I was this close to joining the Marines. I was in the, the recruiting station. The Army and the Marines were together. I talked to the Army uh, uh, recruiter, and then went, went right next door and talked to the Marine guy. And the Marines always had the best uniforms. Always. They always looked cool. And he, he was talking to me, he could give me the same deal, but it was three years compared to two. And I thought, you know what? Two years is a bad, three years is a long time, I'm going with the Army. But my whole life, as a child, I just thought, I would love to be a Marine. I, when I was in music class, um, we would sing. And you could pick the songs you wanted to sing. And my music teacher always said about me, I, I had a tin ear. And I thought that was a good thing. Apparently, if you have a tin ear, it means you can't sing. I didn't know that, but that's what she said. I just belted words out. And, but I always pick from the halls of Montezuma. You might not know that song, but we did growing up. You ever know that song? Oh, you do know the song. From the halls of Montezuma. Right? To the shores of Tripoli, we fight our country's battle on land, air, and the sea. First to fight for right and freedom and to keep our honor clean. We're proud to be in the title of the United States Marine. Right? Great song. Sang it every time I could in music class. And there's a line there that says, If the Army and the Navy ever looked on heaven's scenes, they would see that it was guarded by United States Marines. Right? It's like, yes, that's it. And I don't know what the, fat, the infatuation of the Marines was, but it was like really cool. And they had these cool slogans, right? Like, um, we're looking for a few good men. Right? It's kind of elite. Or the few, the proud, the Marines. And I just found out the other day that they're going to change, the thing about changing their motto. And the motto is that the battle's won within. And that's the whole idea. But if you were to give the essence of the Marine Corps and why it's so important, why it's so intriguing to lots of people, it's their fighting spirit. Here's a quote. 
If there is a fight in which we are engaged in, we will win it. That's pretty cool, isn't it? If there's a fight we're engaged in, we will win it. I like that. I really like that. I wish I was a Marine. All right? That, but that's it. And, and I got to tell you something. I think that this is exactly Paul's mindset when he goes through everything in life. If there's a fight I'm engaged in for the cause of Christ, I'm going to win it. I'm going to win it. I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping. I can be discouraged. I can be depressed. I can be brokenhearted. But we're going to win this thing. You say, Rick, I think you're, I think you're just stretching now because that's not the text. It's not the text. You can talk about his weakness. It doesn't amaze you that he doesn't quit doing these things. And not only that, Paul talks about the same idea someplace else. Take your Bibles this evening. Look with me if you would at Philippians chapter 3 this evening. Philippians chapter 3. And let's start at verse number 4. And Paul's going to do a little bit more about his accomplishments, right? We saw start this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now in Philippians 3, verse 4, he says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinketh that he hath thereof, uh, he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, uh, a Hebrew of the Hebrew, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is of the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I might win Christ. And Paul says, listen, I can boast about all these things, but the bottom line is this, everything, my accomplishments, my success, but everything I had, I count them, like our good Scotsman would say, rubbish. It's rubbish. It means nothing to me. And he goes on, verse number 9. That I may win Christ, verse 8, verse number 9, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the, right, the resurrection of the dead. Now watch verse number 12. He talks about running this race, finishing a race. Verse number 12 says, Not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after. Paul says, I press on, I follow after, I don't quit, I'm moving forward. Why? Because if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of, Jesus Christ. That's really a strange phrase there. It really is. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus, literally means that I may lay hold, I was lay, laid hold of. Paul says, I am running to catch the very thing for which Christ hath come after me. Paul says, I'm running, I'm not stopping, I'm trying to catch the very thing that Christ came after and caught me 
forward. Okay, now I want you to think for a minute. Because, because for Paul, everything is garbage, it's rubbish, it doesn't matter, I want to win Christ, and I'm doing this because I want to apprehend that for which I was apprehended by Christ. I am running in such a way that I want to capture what Christ captured me for. Okay? Now I want you to think about What is Christ captured? What, what's the purpose? Why has Christ captured us? What's this all about? I mean, the whole Christian life, when it's all said and done, now think for a minute. What have we been apprehended for? What did he catch us for? Why are we his? What is he trying to show to the world? And before you give an answer, let me help you. Romans 8, 28, everybody knows, right? All things work together for good to them who love God, God to them who are called according to his purpose, right? We say it all the time. Do you know what verse 29 says? Let's look at it, shall we? Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Do you know why Jesus apprehended you? Do you know why he apprehended me? He caught me, and Paul says, because he caught me, he wants to transform me. I'm going to run after that which Christ caught me for. That's why it doesn't matter about the suffering. It doesn't matter about the weakness. It doesn't matter about the trial. It doesn't matter about the success. None of it matters. Why? Because in the end, Paul was running to apprehend that for which he was apprehended. And Christ said, I've got you. And my plan and purpose for you is to transform you into my image. One more verse just to back this up in case you're not buying it. All right. 2 Thessalonians 2.14. Whereunto he called you by our gospel, Paul speaking, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Paul says, listen to me. I've got my list, and my list is big, and it's long, and it's, it's honestly terrible, isn't it? I mean, beaten, whipped, left for dead, a night and a day in the deep, shipwrecked three times, and then all the trials of the church, all of it. But I'll glory in that. I won't quit. I'll press toward the mark. It doesn't matter. Everything else in the past, it means nothing. It's rubbish. Why? Because I'm running in such a way. My whole life is here. That the one thing I want to do is apprehend that for which I was apprehended. I want Christ to have his prize. And his prize is men and women who are transformed into his image. My dear brother and sister in Christ, if tonight we leave this place and we say, Jesus, help me to run in such a way that I, I want to apprehend that for which I was apprehended for. That, Lord, I want to be conformed into your image. I want to be transformed. I want to be a man or a woman that as the world looks at, it, it's obvious that you are Lord. I have to tell you something. If we take one thing home tonight, this is all I want you to do. This is it. This is, this is it. One thing home tonight. If you and I can run like Paul ran to apprehend that for which we were apprehended for, then we understand that there's a purpose to all of this. Good times, bad times, struggles, difficulties, success. It's all there to shape us and to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. And so, as we face this week, whether trials, victories, loss, 
success, difficulties. Lord, I'm going to run. I'm going to run well. Because what I want is to apprehend that for which I was apprehended. Can I tell you something? I think that might just change our life. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I'm not. I'm not. It would change our life. What are we running for? For most of us, we're running to get by. We're running just for the next day. We're running for the next exciting thing in our life. And we've missed it. We've missed it. That's why when any trouble comes, we're ready for the power. Because we don't understand what Paul was doing and what he was saying. His life was really hard. It was really hard. I mean really hard. I'm going to talk about that next week. I mean, just the care of the churches. When he talks there about who's, who's offended, and I, I'm not offended, and, and who, what does he say in verse 29, about um, stumbles, and, I'm not, and I don't burn, I'm not indignant. Are you there? Oh, yeah. Who is weak? Good job, Dave. Who is weak, and I'm not weak? Who is offended? I don't burn. What he's talking about there is I, is I look at the church. Those who are weak and in trouble, I'm weak and I, I feel for that. And those who sin and stumble... It, I'm, and he's not angry like, oh, you stupid idiot. He's angry that sin once again tripped up one of the believers. This is his daily, his life was hard. But Paul never thought like, hey, you know what? I'm, yeah, I've done the thing. I'm finished. Why? Because he's running to apprehend. That for which he was apprehended for. Do you get that? And so, by God's grace, can we leave this place tonight and not just forget about what we just talked about, but go from Monday to Sunday saying, Lord, today, help me to run in such a way that I want to apprehend that for which I was apprehended for, and that which is being transformed into you. And so, what you bring into my path today, at work, at home, in my community, with my family, would help me to know that this is all being done so that you can have your prize. And I don't have to fight it. I don't have to resist it. I don't have to throw in the towel. I can run the race, and I can apprehend that for which I'm apprehended for. Let's have a word of prayer.